Alright, so attempt number two. We just tried to start this interview off, but the battery died. So once again, I'm here with my friend Phoebe. Uh, she's a fellow PhD student here at the museum. We have the same supervisor, both studying rats. And she recently got back from two weeks of fieldwork in the Grampians in Australia, Victoria, and the western side of Victoria. And I thought I would do a mini interview with, with Phoebes to get her to tell you about her PhD project, um, a little bit about her fieldwork, and maybe a little bit about the Grampians as well. So take it away, Phoebes. Start again. Thanks, Pete. <laughs> so I'm in the second year of my PhD and I work on two species of native Australian mice. And Australia has tons of native rodent species, um, many of which have already gone extinct and many more of which are endangered and at risk of extinction. So I work on two of those species, the smoky mouse and the New Holland mouse. Um, and they're both really struggling in Victoria. So the Smoky Mouse, um, one of its remaining strongholds is the Grampians in Western Victoria. And as Pete said, I spent the last two weeks there um, trying to find Smoky Mice. So I basically um, set up camp and lived in a tent there for two weeks in the pouring rain and crazy winds and spent my days hiking around um, setting traps and checking traps and looking for mice. So when I find mice in my traps, they're actually like they don't, they're not your normal mouse traps and we're actually going out and killing all the threatened species. Um, I like their little box traps and they've got fluff and food in there and the mice go in and sort of snuggle up for the night and I come around in the morning and take them out and weigh them and see whether it's male or female um, and take a little DNA sample and let them go again. And so I do that every second month in the Grampians to see how the populations there are going um, and to see why the populations fluctuate in different ways, so why they go up and down, um, and whether that's related to things like rainfall or extreme weather events, um, which is, yeah, a part of my PhD. So what have you found out so far with the data that you have collected over the last few years? Well, so far... Um, I've sort of confirmed that the species is really um, has a really localised distribution in the Grampians. So a couple of years back I surveyed this entire mountain range in the Grampians, Victoria range, and I found New Holland mice within a tiny portion of that mountain range. So they're only in little populations in these really wet gullies um, along about six to eight kilometres of the mountain range, which is quite a small area when you think about like the impact of fires and like the size of potential fires um, when they sweep through and they impact the species then you might just lose the entire population of that species in that area if they're yeah not able to cope with it and so we actually had during your master's degree when you were studying these guys a little more thoroughly we had a massive bushfire go through the grampians right yeah. And so what did you find? So you sampled them beforehand, didn't you? And then the bushfire came through and then you got to sample them again afterwards and you were afraid that they were going to potentially have been wiped out, right? Yeah, that was a real fear that we had because nobody had, like, 
seen um, Smokey Mice go through that sort of fire before, so we kind of assumed that they might actually get wiped out. Um, and thankfully, I went back after the fire, and the fire had passed through all of their historical locations um, within that within that mountain range. And what had the fire done to the place? It was just it just it was like a moonscape, like it had obliterated all of the vegetation. Like there was just nothing. There were burnt burnt trees, like burnt tree trunks, with no vegetation whatsoever, and then you just had like rocky ground. And yeah, it was amazing. Like. It was incredible that any species could actually persist in it because it just looked so inhospitable, like there was nothing, nothing there. Um, So I went back into these sites and the only species that I did find in my traps were smoky mice. So they'd actually survived um, in situ, so in place, like they'd stayed there through the fire and they've continued to persist in the years following the fire in those sites. And there are other species coming back now too. So you've got little antichinus, which are like tiny little marsupials um, that run around and eat insects. And So they actually look like little rats, but they're actually more closely related to kangaroos, aren't they? Yeah. They are rats. Yeah, people always think that they're like sort of a kind of mouse or something. But yeah, they're actually far more close, like we're more closely related to rats than these guys are. Yeah, and they're quite interesting. Like, people always pick up on the fact that they um, sort of shag themselves to death. Do you want to explain a little bit about that? <laughs> so, um, first of all, the word shag means to have sex, everyone, just for those who didn't know. <laughs> or to mate, in a yeah. more politically correct scientific description. So, um, male antichinus put all of their energy into reproducing. So, it comes to breeding season and they just pump all the energy into producing testosterone and producing lots of sperm and running around trying to sleep with all of the female antichinus. Um, and Though they don't really sleep, do they? <laughs> they don't seem to. Um, yeah, so they just put everything into mating and then eventually their body condition deteriorates because they're not putting any energy into like repairing their bodies anymore. And they're not eating, right? They eat very little, um, and they they do actually sleep very little. Like, you start catching them at the wrong time of day when they'd usually be asleep, so they're usually nocturnal, yep. and you'd only catch them, like, at night. Um, but you start catching them in traps, um, actually, during the daytime, which is just, yeah, so out these, of these little, These tiny, tiny little marsupials, probably Australia's smallest marsupials, right? Or at least some of the smallest Some of the smallest, yeah. Actually stop eating, the males stop eating, and they stop worrying about anything aside from going out searching for females and having as much sex as possible over a period of what it's about two weeks isn't it where they they all die because yeah, they, it's a few weeks yeah they all go out mate themselves to death don't eat don't do anything else and yeah. then all of a sudden you're left with absolutely no males right the, yeah. half the population disappears overnight effectively yeah so you've just got a lot of pregnant females um and there's no populate males in the population at all until the females give birth yeah. And they give birth to these tiny, tiny little pink little beans um, that grow into antichinus in their sort of... They've got a very small pouch, like all marsupials have got a little pouch, um, but theirs is more of like a little little dint on their belly. Yeah. And it just has these giant um, little babies start growing out of it until they're nearly as big as their mum. And, and they all hold on, don't they? Yeah. To the underside of the sandy kindness. Yeah, they all, um, they latch onto the, the nipples or the teats 
and just stay there until they're ready to go off and do their own thing. And so we're, we're at that period right at the moment, aren't we, where you are catching a lot of antichinus, but they're all female and they all have babies, don't they, at the moment, in their pouches, slowly developing. Um, so there's two different species that I catch. Um, one of them is dusky antichinus, and they're at that stage where there's no more males in the population, and you've got these sort of, like, jelly belly-sized jelly bean babies, like, attached to their bellies. Um, whereas the agile antichinus are still at the stage where the males are all in the population, and they've got these massive, like, testes or... Um, and they're just, you catch them all the time and they just have very little um, regard for their own safety. Like, I had a couple of interesting um, experiences this last trip where I was checking the traps in the morning and it was pouring down with rain, so I was wearing a waterproof jacket and I let go of an antichinus and instead of running away, which is what they should do and what they usually do, it ran up my jacket and just sat there on my jacket sleeve uh, licking water off my jacket. And yeah. it was just like, it was absolutely adorable. But it was That's like so not, not the best survival behavior for a species because I'm this big potential I guess it's predator. A, a disadvantage, right, at that point if you're more worried about your survival than about being active and going out looking for females to reproduce with. You're not going to pass on your genes as, as um, easily as ones that don't care and they just get out there and look for anything they can shag. Yeah. Oh, cool. But back to the species you were chasing. So you were catching smoky mice. Yeah. Yeah, so I caught um, a fair few smoky mice. Um, Well, a reasonable amount for the species. I caught dozens more antichinus than I caught smoky mice. But smoky mice tend to um, sort of persist in smaller numbers um, at times. And, yeah, they've been fairly consistent in the numbers this year so far. So hopefully they're doing all right. And... um, Hopefully they'll start breeding soon this um, this year as well. And so, for those of those listeners out there who probably cringe at the idea of studying rats and just rats in general, how would you explain native Australian rodents compared to, say, the basic image most people will have when they think of a rat, which is the introduced pest species that you see eating out of bins and dumpsters in the city? What are the smoky mice? and other Australian rats like in comparison? They are absolutely gorgeous. Like, I'm slightly biased, but smoky mice in particular are, like, so soft and fluffy and they're this, like, beautiful blue-grey colour and they've got, like, you know, a little pink nose and little pink feet and they're just, like, adorable. Like, they're something that you'd look at and think of more as being a cute little, like, possum kind of thing rather than, like, a gross species of rat. Um... And we've got so many species like that, like native rats and mice that are actually really, really cute little fluffy things. I mean, not that that's the, you know, be-all, end-all for a um, species, but, yeah, they're actually quite attractive little guys, and they don't smell. Yep. Like, they've got their own unique sense, but they don't smell disgusting like a house mouse or a black rat. Yep. And so you're actually also studying another mouse species, another native rat species that's a little smaller than the smoky mouse. Yeah, it's the New Holland mouse. Um, So New Holland mice are similarly endangered um, throughout Victoria um, and they've disappeared from different sites um, a lot over the past few years. So they're now known from only three of ten locations across Victoria. Um, And they're, yeah, a bit smaller than smoky mice but really quite adorable as well. Um, And I spend most of my time 
um, looking for them down at Wilson's Promontory, which is another beautiful national park here in Victoria. Um, and they live in totally different habitat. Like, they have... Um, so both species actually burrow and live underground in little burrow systems. Um, but the New Holland mice tend to live in sandier soils because they're a bit smaller. It probably makes it a bit easier for them to burrow through. Um, and, yeah, they just run around eating grass and seeds and insects and fungi um, and also just disappearing, which is what I'm trying to figure out is why they're disappearing. But And that was part yeah. of the reason you went to Wilson's Prom, right? You had no records of them being there for a very long time or at least they hadn't been sampled by other scientists and so you went in to see if they were still there and you were somewhat surprised when you found them, right? Yeah, so New Holland mice used to be really abundant at Wilson's Prom, sort of in the mid-90s, and then they sort of declined until the early 2000s, and then the last individual was seen there in 2010, um, where they literally just found one single individual, um, and nobody saw any um, between then and when I started my work um, in 2015. Um, so... People had gone out looking for them, but they just they couldn't find them at any of these historic sites anymore. Um, so I went out and used camera traps, which is sort of like um, motion sensor-activated cameras and heat sensor-activated cameras that take photos of the animals just doing their thing. Like I put out like a bait to lure them in, um, and they go and investigate it, and the camera takes lots of photos of them. Um, so I put those out across a huge chunk of the prom, um, and found New Holland mice at two of my 50 sites so it was really exciting that I'd actually managed to find them Um, kind of disappointing that I found them at so few of the sites but yeah they're still there just in really really low numbers. So what does that tell you about the species um, in general I guess and I guess how, how would you how would you explain it but do they need large numbers and do they need to live... Do they live, you know, across the entire landscape or are you more likely to find them in patches and in high numbers, low numbers? Can the species persist in low numbers dotted across the landscape? What are, are they like light switching on and off to the different populations or is this what you're trying to find out to some degree? Yeah, that's one of the things I'm trying to find out is how they are actually persisting. Um, at the moment, it looks like there's just this sort of one really small area where they're persisting um, in quite decent numbers. Um, When I first trapped them there back in October last year, I only got three individuals, which was devastating because that's, like, I put in a lot of effort there and found three individuals, and that is not enough to sustain a population. Um, But I kept trapping there and have been finding um, more um, sort of over autumn this year. The numbers are starting to decline a bit again as we go through winter, but they're still staying above. Like I'm down to about 12 individuals um, that I see per month um, at the prom. Um, And, yeah, it's in this really localised area. So one of the things at the prom um, is that there's been all this um, native tea tree encroachment. So tea tree is like a sort of shrubby tree species and it's native to australia isn't it yeah it's Bring native to, to australia um and it's kind of native to that area but there's been a lot of changing fire regimes and different grazing patterns so they used to have like um sheep and cattle um in the area and it's sort of 
just led to this nightmare situation where the tea tree has just taken over the entire landscape like that it doesn't allow any other plant species to persist it's just like this monoculture of tea tree which means there's like just the one species of tea tree um across the whole landscape and that just isn't very good for supporting species like the new holland mouse because they need like diversity in the plants um that are present so that they have things to eat and so that the plants support different types of fungi and different types of insects for them to eat as well um and yeah that's just sort of crept across most of the prom and the new holland mice seem to be persisting in an area um in this one little patch um where the tea tree hasn't sunk its teeth in yet so yeah cool hopefully they don't suddenly disappear that would be my nightmare (laughs) what are your expectations though do you think that they Um, will both with the smoky mouse and the new holland mouse do you think that they're somewhat threatened but they've been in this state of being threatened by land regime changes and everything for a while now and they're holding on or are they on the decline or on the increase i think smoky mice are sort of holding on like they've been put through a lot in terms of um like introduced predators and landscape change um, but they seem to be hanging on in these little isolated populations like reasonably well new holland mice on the other hand are just dropping like flies like i seriously concerned for the Wilson's prom population um, because it seems to be so small and so isolated. The other two populations left in Victoria are doing much better um, but I mean the other seven that we've lost in the past couple of decades like it's not looking good and we don't entirely understand um, what's happening with the species which is yeah one of the reasons why I'm studying it so that we can find out before it's too late. So obviously it's important too for the, the species themselves that you're studying them, but I'm sure you get a lot of people saying, well, what does it matter if we lose a mouse or a small rat like this and, and why is this research that important? Why aren't you more focused on things like the koala and kangaroo that are animals that matter? You know, I'm sure, I'm sure, what do you say to people who ask you those kinds of questions? Yeah, I mean, I understand that because people are much more attached to the animals that they see more readily, whereas these animals, like, I see them all the time, but most people would never get to see them because they don't, like, run around in your field of vision. Um, but, yeah, the thing is, all, all these animals play different roles within ecosystems, so whether it's like distributing like different um, seeds or fungal spores to help other species to like plant species or fungal species to reproduce um, or like these some of these digging species like these mice they dig burrows and they like dig up um, like fungi and stuff to eat like that really helps other species establish by sort of um, disturbing the soil so it's called like bioturbation where like um, species dig through the soil to get food and things and that helps to aerate it and mix the nutrients up and like makes a much healthier ecosystem where the plant species are able to um, like get to the nutrients more easily and like establish new little seedlings and that sort of thing like ecosystems kind of relying on one another yeah ecosystems take away any of those it can become a lot harder for any of the individual species to survive yeah it's like a big network where if you start knocking out species here and there, the whole thing can collapse. And, yeah, you end up with things like just, you know, solid tea tree for a couple of square kilometres. Like. So by actually 
potentially putting in place things to protect not not just this rat, but this rat, I guess, to some degree, you're actually going to end up protecting a lot of other things yeah, absolutely. at the same time. So it's a bottom-up kind of approach, is it? Yeah. So if, like, for instance, if we did predator control, so if, like, cats and foxes um, to support New Holland mice, that's also going to support a lot of other native species um, that are preyed upon by cats and foxes, so, like, a lot of native birds and other small mammal species. Um, and it's also going to, yeah, support the different vegetation communities by having the mice in there doing their thing mixing things up a bit yeah so what do you think is going to happen in the near future and what do you think we need to do in order to save these kinds of species what what needs to be put in place in order to prevent them from permanently disappearing um we definitely need to study them more and understand what is causing different declines in different places um and then we need to act on it, like put in predator control measures or like habitat modification, um, that sort of thing. Like we need to actually understand what's going on and then just basically throw money at it. Like it's the only way that you can actually, um, yeah, ensure that we're going to save these species. And the current, um, yeah, sort of the current idea is to just be like oh yeah they're declining let's just wait and see what happens and then it's too late and I mean we've already lost like what 30 Australian mammal species um, in the last 200 years and that's like worse than any other country has ever experienced like we're number one in the world for wiping out mammal species um yay go us (laughs) um yeah, like it's something that we need to take seriously and act on now because it's going to be too late soon. Awesome. Uh, well, that's probably long enough for today. Thank you so much for sharing your insights, Pete. No worries. Thanks for chatting to me. You're welcome.